You are listening to an eight-week teaching series from Jubilee Church entitled, The Lord's Prayer. The invitation from God is not into religion, but a relationship. And like any relationship, communication is vital to its success. This series explores Jesus' response to his disciples' desire to learn to pray. If you would like more information about Jubilee Church, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Man, it's good to be back with you guys. I was uh, away on vacation with my family last week and really enjoyed that, but I always miss being here with you. I tell you what, uh, a beach with a 10-month-old is an interesting experience if you've never um, done it. Um, my daughter, you know, she's still kind of trying to figure out what is water, and the ocean's not a small body of water. So um, we, you know, spent most of our time actually up on the sand because she didn't like the water. Last day she got used to it, but, um, you know, I'm a new dad, and I don't know what to expect with these things, and she loves hummus, you know, and sand kind of looks like hummus, and um, so we'd look away for a minute, and she'd have like a mouthful of sand, you know, and uh, she's, you know, learning to walk, so fell over on the beach a lot, and actually changed a diaper that I think was 100% sand, so uh, hashtag bad dad, I know, but it is good to be back. I checked up on a few things when I got back, and just really appreciate you jumping in on the Everyone Serve one. I think we've had like 20 or so people uh, sign up for that just in the month of October. And so for those of you, those of you who have done that, thank you so much. It's, I think it's going to make a big difference in what God's uh, doing among us here. And I missed uh, Rick Hine last week preaching, speaking to you, um, but I, I was able to catch it on the podcast on Friday. And man, just what a treat to have an older godly man who has raised kids, who are now raising kids, talk to us about God being a father. You know, I mean, just that idea that we don't come to God. This, he used this language of this landlord-tenant relationship. We don't have this landlord-tenant relationship with God where we put in our dues and he gives us his services. But we have this father-son, this father-daughter relationship with God where we come to him and he looks at us as his beloved children. And we get to enter into his presence and know him as a father. For those of us who uh, have good dads, we can relate in that this is just a more perfect version of our good dad. But those of us who have no dads or bad dads, we can actually come to the Father who's in heaven and have a Father that we can call our own, a perfect heavenly Father. And the week before that, you know, Brian, our lead pastor, he talked about how we be in prayer. He talked about, you know, we just be ourselves, that we don't have to put on a front. We don't have to have pretense. We don't have to project this version of ourselves that's just so spiritual and holy. And I just pray the awesomest prayers you could ever imagine, the most articulate language. But no, we can just be ourselves. We don't have to put on a front with God. We don't have to put on a front with one another. We can just be ourselves in prayer. As a matter of fact, Jesus seems to hate pretentious prayers, and he seems to love genuine prayers. I mean, what a freeing thing, you know, where you can pray and you don't have to go through all this religious mumbo jumbo, but you can just say, God, I need your help. You can say, God, I'm here. My life's jacked up. Can you speak to me or show me something? Show me your love. You know, we can just be real with God. I'm picking up on this theme of we have this God who is a relational being who loves to relate to us, his creation. And so he's invited us into relationship with him, just like it was in the garden. You know, Adam and Eve, they got to walk with God in the garden. So through Christ, with our sins being forgiven and us entering into relationship with the Father, we get to walk with God in this life. That's an amazing privilege, but it doesn't stop there. 
Actually, Jesus takes it further. He says, not only has God invited you into relationship with himself, but God has invited you in to ask things of him. What kind of things, you ask, can we ask of God? Well, we'll jump in here. Uh, Same passage that we've been looking at, the Lord's Prayer. I'll read the whole thing, but we'll really couch ourselves in verse 10 today. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there are black Bibles in the chair in front of you there. You can grab those out. It's on page 811 in those black Bibles. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 verses 7 through 13. Again, that's page 811, Matthew 6, 7 through 13. It'll also be on the screen for you uh, if you prefer that. Page 811 in those black Bibles, Matthew 6, 7 through 13. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for this invitation to pray, this invitation to know you, this invitation to even ask that your kingdom would come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we come to you this morning and we just, like the disciples, we just recognize that we don't have a clue how to pray. We don't know. As much as we've heard about prayer, as much as we know we should pray, we don't know how to pray. And so, Jesus, we ask you, would you teach us again to pray? Would you teach us to pray? Would you show us how you think about prayer, how you think about talking with your Father? And would you show us what's important in prayer? Help us to not have these menial little prayers, but to have prayers that follow after the heart of God and that call your will into our life, into this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So check this out. We're invited not only to relationship with God, but to ask God for things. And you ask, you know, what kind of things can we ask God for? Jesus has a list for us to kind of cover the general areas of life. But this is where he begins. He begins by saying, pray this way, that God, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, pray God that your will come in my life and on this earth. Not my will. No, actually, instead of my will, pray God, your will come. You know, being a Christian is, is fundamentally about laying down our will. That's why Jesus says, take up your cross, die to yourself, and follow me. What is he saying? He's saying, exchange your life for mine. Exchange your will for mine. Exchange what you want for what I want. Exchange what you think is right for what I think is right. So the first step in becoming a Christian, the starting line of the Christian life, is, is, is saying, God, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. I want you more than I want what I want or what I think I need. And then the rest of our Christian life, every time we pray, God, your will be done in my life. It's like a recommitment to Christ. It's just saying, Christ, again, I want to take up my cross. Again, I want to come to you and say, I want what you want for my life more than what I want for my life. It's a statement of humility. It's a recommitment, but it's a statement of humility. It's it's really saying, God, I think, I think you're smarter than me. I think you're more powerful than me. I think you're better than me. I think you're more good to me than I could ever be to myself. 
And so I want your will to be done in my life more than I want what I think should be done. It's saying, God, I believe that you have a better perspective than I do. You know, if, uh, you know, life is filled with decisions. My wife and I probably have like five decisions on our plate right now that we have to make. And, you know, I'm thinking through all these situations, all these possible outcomes, all these decisions, all these different ways we can make these decisions. And what I'm realizing is I have such limited perspective. I don't know what's next. I don't know what's around the corner. I don't know what's going to happen to us next month, next year. I don't know. But God does. And not only that, his will is always better than ours. You know, I've never made a decision in my life where I chose God's will over my will and it turned out bad for me. So it always turns out better when we seek his will. But not only does it turn out better, but it actually draws us into relationship with him. And so when we pray, your will be done in our lives on earth as it is in heaven, we're praying, God, I want you more than I want myself. And there's so many decisions to face in life, you know, picking your spouse, buying a home, what job am I going to take, what career path am I going to go down, where are my kids going to go to school? The list goes on and on and on and on and on. And every time in those moments, we have a decision to make. We can make the decision according to our will, which is according to our limited perspective and according to the desires of our heart, or we can make the decision according to God's will. Now, check this out. What does that mean? Does that mean that when you're trying to decide where to live or maybe where to send your kids to school, that you can just open up and be like, God wants me to send my kid to this school and this place, and I'm supposed to live in this neighborhood? No, it's not like that. But it's this disposition of saying, when you come to that decision of saying, God, I don't want just what I can see from my life. I want what you have for me. Will you show me? Will you open my eyes? Will you give me a sense of peace about the direction you're taking me? And I'm going to step in the direction that, I, that as far as I can see is the direction you want me to go. And if that's not where you want me to go, will you stop me and send me back the way you do want me to go? We see this with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's an amazing glimpse into Jesus' relationship with his Father, Luke chapter 22, he's headed to the cross. He's about to be crushed under the weight of God's wrath. And we see this moment where he comes to the Father and he says, Father, will you let this cup pass from me? He's about to go to the cross and he says to the Father, Father, I don't want to go to the cross. You know, what we see in there is a glimpse of Jesus being fully God and Jesus being fully man. He's 100% both. He's not 50-50. He's not half God, half man. He doesn't tap into God sometimes and tap into man. No, no. He's fully God, fully man. He is God in the flesh. And what we're seeing is we're seeing Jesus' humanity. We're seeing he is about to face genuine pain. He is about to experience genuine rejection from the Father for our sins. And he's dreading it and he's stressed out about it. And he says, Father, can I, is there another way? Can I get out of this? But then he says this amazing thing. He says, yet, yet, not my will, but yours be done. If you want the cross for me, I'll go to the cross. Absolutely amazing that he did that. And that's what kingdom come is all about. The kingdom of God coming is simply the rule and reign of Jesus coming into our life, into our world as it is in heaven. It's the kingdom of God breaking in, which kingdom is just the rule and reign, right? So when there's a king and he has a kingdom, what is the kingdom? The kingdom is anywhere he is ruling and reigning. It's his boundary. Well, Jesus when, has always been a king from before time began till forever and ever and ever. He has been and always will be a king. When he came to planet earth, he inaugurated a kingdom. 
He said, my kingdom is going to take back over the, the world that darkness has taken over. And so he went around teaching and preaching, Matthew tells us in Matthew 9.35. Read it for you so I don't mess it up. Matthew says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. You want to summarize, what did Jesus teach while he was here? He taught the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Everywhere he went, the kingdom came. Mark 1.15, he says, The kingdom of God is at hand. What does it mean at hand? It means it's close enough that you can touch it. The kingdom of God, the heavenly realms are close enough that you can touch them. And then we see in his life, you just look through a quick survey of the gospels, you see in his life, he, he brought the kingdom everywhere he went. He opened blind eyes, he unlocked deaf ears. With a single touch of his garment, a woman with an incurable blood disease is instantaneously healed. Lepers are healed. The crippled were healed. The dead came back to life. Not just physical healing, social justice as well. The poor are cared for. A woman caught in the act of adultery is forgiven and given a new life. Thieves and liars are transformed into redeemed men and women. The kingdom of God broke out everywhere Jesus went. He's bringing his kingdom all these different places. The kingdom of God. We can pray kingdom. Come, what does the kingdom look like? How do we know that the kingdom has broken out? Or how do we know that the kingdom is coming. The Apostle Paul in Romans 14, 17 tells us what the kingdom of God is like. He said the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, this right relationship with God and fellow human beings. Right relationship with God, there's no more division, there's no more barrier, there's no more separation, but perfect relationship with God where our hearts aren't rebelling anymore, but every human heart is joyfully obeying him and right relationship with one another, where when you go to Thanksgiving dinner, it's no longer chaos, but there's peace in the family because there's right relationship with one another. It's a uh, righteousness is that it means that racism no longer exists, broken hearts no longer exist, no more manipulating and lying and stealing, no more uh, injustice, no more oppression of the poor or of those who are underprivileged, but the right relationship, treating one another as Christ and God has treated us with generosity and sacrificial love. That's just the righteousness part. The Apostle Paul also says peace. It's a Greek word that's connected to the word shalom in the Hebrew. Shalom is completeness or wholeness. It's the ultimate state of human existence. It's the opposite of chaos. There's peace. And when shalom or peace comes, There is peace in every sense of the word. There's mental peace. I remember praying with a guy who's a part of Jubilee now. I won't say his name, but he uh, had the privilege of leading him to faith in Christ. And uh, after we prayed for him to commit his life to Christ, he said, can you pray for me? Because I just have this buzzing, ticking noise in my head that just won't go away. It's just always there, just this And then like a clock ticking, He said, it's just always there, and it just drives me insane. Can you just pray that God gets rid of that? And I said, yeah, I'll pray that God gets rid of that. I just pray, God, let your kingdom come in his mind as it is in heaven. We just rebuke this this voice or whatever it is in his head and just pray, God, your kingdom come. And we got done praying. I said, how are you? I I think he said something like, there's nothing going on in my head. And I thought, are you alive? You know, and... uh, (laughs) He said, it's not there. The ticking's gone. The buzzing's gone. 
What happened? His mind is at peace. Why? Because Jesus had dominion over his mind now. When the kingdom of God fully comes, fully comes, our heart is at peace. There's no more anxiety. There's no more depression. There's no more fear. There's no more self-hatred and self-loathing. When the kingdom of God comes, our heart is at peace. Our body is at peace. There's no more disease, no more sickness. Our relationships are at peace. No more wars, no more striving, no more unforgiveness. The kingdom of God comes and causes people to reconcile. Where we forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven us. There's financial peace. There's no more poverty and hunger and homelessness. When the kingdom of God comes, peace comes in every sense of the word. Not only that, the Apostle Paul goes on. He says there's joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but joy is something that I would really like to have more of in my life. I would really like to face, no matter what comes at me in life, with a smile on my face, saying, I know who I know who I know my king is, and I'm not worried about it. Joy is not circumstantial. It's not like happiness. It's dependent on what happens in our life. Joy is an inner disposition of our heart, like an anchor in our soul. Uh, John Piper, pastor and theologian, he said, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul, produced by the Holy Spirit, as he causes us to see beauty the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. What am I getting at with all this? What I'm getting at is that the desire of your heart and the desire of my heart is a desire for the kingdom of God to come. Everything that we long for in life, for our family members who are sick to be well, for our finances to be at rest, for our relationships to be at rest, for this wholeness and this life that God has intended for us to be fully here as it is In heaven, every human heart is longing for the kingdom of God, whether we recognize it and surrender to it or not. And so Jesus teaches us, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. I'm thankful that I was introduced to this idea of kingdom come praying early on in my Christian life. I became a Christian, I think it was the summer of 2008, if not a little bit sooner than that. And in uh, August 2008, my grandma was diagnosed with stage four, I want to get this right, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. All I knew is that she had cancer in her bone marrow. Uh, The doctor said it's a cancer of the lymph nodes, which then gets into the bone marrow. And once it's in the bone marrow, the white blood cells are just reproducing like crazy. And it's really hard to stop at that phase. Some people are cured, some people are not. But at her age, at the stage that it was, we're pretty sure we're going to lose our grandma. And uh, it's hard for me. I'm close to my grandma. And I was a new Christian. I think I, I think I arrived, I think it was my first prayer meeting that I had ever attended. But I came to this prayer meeting, and the pastor is just working through, you know, the, the things he wants to pray for for the night. And one of the things he wanted to pray for was uh, an older man in the church who had been diagnosed with cancer. And we start praying for this man. I'm thinking to myself, God, I just, I mean, I want this man to be healed, but I really want my grandma to be healed. And I didn't know everyone enough to say, hey, can you pray for my grandma to be healed? So I just slipped out the front door of the church, and I went into the parking lot. And I just lifted, I was like, I hope no one's around, but I'm just going to go for it. And I just lifted my voice and cried out to God and said, God, would you please heal my grandma? I don't want to lose her yet. And I went to my grandma the next day, and I said, Grandma, is there any way that you could know, that you could know if you were better? And uh, a few weeks after that, she went to the doctor, got checked up. The doctor said, your cancer is in full remission. We can't find it anywhere in your body. They thought it kind of went away, it'll come back, pop its little head out, you know. It's been almost nine years, and they have never found an ounce of cancer in her body. 
What happened? The, the kingdom. Yeah, yeah, I should clap. That was a good response, whoever did that. The kingdom of God came. It came. Man, we've seen the kingdom come in this church, haven't we? I mean, we've seen, <laughs> we've seen, you know, Manny, 25-year heroin addiction, just totally set free of heroin in love with Christ. Started a ministry, a harmonica ministry, where he's teaching veterans how to play harmonica and then telling them about Christ along the way. I mean, that is kingdom. Husbands and wives, their relationships restored, that's kingdom. Children obeying their parents, that's kingdom. <laughs> I mean, last week, you know, sorry, two weeks ago, I missed a week, the eighth. David, 60-year-old man, 47-year drug addiction, destroyed his entire family. On the video saying, I've wasted most of my life, but now Christ is in my life, and I expect the rest of my days will be good. And then his daughter saying, I was addicted to opiates, but now Christ has come in my life, and I'm following him, and I'm declaring that today. And to see David get baptized, and then turn around and baptize his daughter, and to see them hug, that is kingdom, man. Like, that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We got to see like a glimpse into heaven a couple weeks ago. And you know what? We can't produce that. We cannot produce that. Only God can produce that. But we can participate in that. We can participate in that every time we bow our knee and say, God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let let your healing come, your peace, your righteousness come on earth as it is in heaven. David, I'm glad you're still here because I I felt as I was driving back from Kirkwood just 20 minutes ago that the Lord just wanted you to know that it's not just for you. What he's done in your life, he's going to do it in multiple people's life. And you and Casey and God's going to use your story to bring many people to Christ. And uh, we're just so glad that you're a part of this family. And we love you, brother. And let's give him a clap. I don't have a clue where I'm at. I really don't. Sometimes you say that and you think you do, but I don't. Here's what I want to say, though. The kingdom's not yet fully come. And some of you are hearing these stories and thinking, that's great, but I've prayed. Like, I've prayed to be well and I'm still sick. I've I've prayed that God would heal me and he hasn't. I've prayed that I would be delivered and I I don't know what's going on. And you know what? We live in this age of the kingdom has come. Jesus has come, but the kingdom has not fully come yet. I mean, I, I read in my Bible some of these places like Revelation got some notes at the back, so it's not right where I thought it was. Revelation 21, you know, this is the the Apostle John gets a vision from Jesus of what heaven is like. And he says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Not only that, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. 
I read that and I long for that reality. I mean, don't you? You, you? you know, like, God, that there would be no more pain, no more crying, no more sickness, no more death. That you would be among us as our God and we as your people in perfect relationship with none of these hindrances of our flesh wanting to sin or our mind being cluttered by other thoughts where we can't hear your voice clearly or see your beauty fully, but to where you're just among us, you're living with us. (laughs) He's in our dwelling place. I read that and I think, God, can that be? And he says, it will be. One day, the the kingdom will fully come. And we're experiencing, we get a taste of it now And every time we pray your kingdom come, it breaks in a little more. And it breaks out in the world a little more. But one day it will fully come. One day, every single person in this room, whatever is wrong with your body, with your heart, with your mind, with your relationships, one day God will make all things right. That's good news. I read things like Revelation 7. You know, John again, he says, after this I looked and behold. This isn't hopeful, wishful thinking. This is something he's seeing, a glimpse into the future that will come true. And behold, a great multitude that no one could number. (laughs) I mean, before that, he's talking about 144,000 people, so he can count pretty high. But he says, a multitude no one could number. From every nation, everywhere on the earth, from all tribes and all peoples or people groups, so every culture represented, and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, so washed clean from all of our sin, never again to be, acquaint- never again to be associated with us, but our sin, cast as far as the east is from the west, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This multitude of of cultures, of colors, of ethnicities. Ethnicities, did I say that right? This incredible diversity, the, the, the most diverse group of people you've ever seen, the largest group of people you've ever seen, all crying out with one voice, praising God and enjoying their salvation. Guys, that's what we have to look forward to. And we can bring more and more and more of that to earth when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's incredible power that we have in prayer. Jesus has given us access to his kingdom. It's, it's as though we stand under an open heaven and we get to go and pull down the resources and the life that's in heaven to earth simply by praying, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I, uh, before I got to teach the Bible up here, I used to teach the Bible a lot in our uh, J-Kids classes and I loved teaching in our J-Kids classes. I had so much fun with those kids. I learned a lot about walking with God, uh, you know, talking with those kids. Also, I I mean, just to be honest, I had a lot more fun with those kids than I usually do with you. (laughs) Or ever. Or ever. I love you a lot, but those kids, I mean, it's it's hard to compare. And, um, you know, did I tell this story already in this service? I've been, this is my third today, so I couldn't remember, but and I'm, so I'm in the third through fifth classroom teaching, and I'm with this sweet old lady, Miss Maxine, and um, we're teaching the kids about this. We're teaching them about, you know, Jesus is a king, and when you follow him, you become a part of his kingdom, 
and you, you get to be a part of his kingdom while you live here on earth, and then you get to be a part of his kingdom forever and ever and ever when he makes a new heaven and a new earth. And so we went to Ephesians, you know, chapter 2, verse 6, and let's quote it so I don't mess it up. Ephesians 2, 6, where the Apostle Paul says, By grace you have been saved, and Jesus has raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so we're thinking, you know, how do we teach the kids about being a part of the kingdom while you're on earth? And so I don't even know if this was good, but we did as best we could. And we we had two big sheets of paper. And on one sheet of paper, we drew a house. And another sheet of paper, we drew a house. And we put on the top of one heaven and on the top of the other earth. And we said, when you come into God's kingdom, you're still on earth. So we had them all put their foot on one side of the paper. And we said, but you also get to be a part of heaven. And so while you're living here, you have one foot on earth and essentially one foot in heaven. You know, because your, your life experience is here on earth. But Jesus said he seated us with him in heavenly places. We said, and the other thing is, God allows you to bring what's in heaven at times to earth. We said, one of the things that's in heaven is no one's sick. None of your bones are broken. Nothing's wrong with your body. We said, does anybody in here have any problems? And one of the girls, she had a, uh, a thing on her wrist. She said, I have a sprained wrist. So, well, could you tell if it got better? Yeah, I could tell if it got better. And uh, so we prayed for her. She said, I think my wrist is better. And uh, I was like, great. You know, kind of skeptical. And she started doing stuff. I think she might have gotten down and done push-ups. And her name was Audrey. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, like, oh, God, let her really be healed. Because <laughs> if she's not really healed, her parents are going to kill me. That prayer for Audrey, but then also through Audrey. Can we produce that? No can't produce that. I, I wish I could, but I can't. But we can participate in it. And the way that we participate is through prayer. You know, anytime we're not living a kingdom life, we're not seeing the kingdom uh, come, we're not praying kingdom come prayers. Uh, it's not that we can't. It's that often we just don't access the power that's been made accessible to us. And one of the things I hear a lot of people say is, I don't know how to pray. And, you know, I used to say, oh, I'll teach you how to pray. Uh, but anymore, I'm just like, no, 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 we do know how to pray. The, the fact that you are in Christ, you know how to pray. Because it's simply communicating with him. As a matter of fact, John 15, verse 16, Jesus himself says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide or remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Did you catch that? So he says, you didn't choose me. I chose you for two things, that you should bear fruit and that you should ask the Father for things and he'll give it to you. Jesus literally chose us that we could ask God for things. He chose us and intended for us to pray. And then he gives us a framework here for prayer. So what, what that means to me, this is the best illustration I could come up with. It's probably a bad one. But, you know, eagles in their nests, like a baby eagle, a baby eagle is born with the ability to fly. But sometimes the mom has to kick it out of its nest because it just keeps saying to itself, I can't fly, I can't fly, I can't fly, you know? And then it kicks it out and it flies. Well, I think sometimes we're like that. We're like, I don't know how to pray, I don't know how to pray, I don't know how to pray, and God's like, just pray. And I hope that we all just get kicked out of our nest this week and exercise the power and access the resources that are open to us in heaven by calling his kingdom come his will be done on earth as it is in heaven you know we we as elders we really seek to lead this church 
in a way that would be pleasing to Jesus. And uh, Jesus himself said in Mark eleven seventeen, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. So we feel as elders, you know, if there's anything in this church we're going to get right, we should probably get prayer right. And so we seek to build this church to be a praying church, which is why every week in community groups, we say every community group must spend time in prayer. You know, every Wednesday morning, we gather a small group of people and we pray every Wednesday morning. And then three weeks a year, we set aside three entire weeks a year just to commit ourselves as a body of believers to seeking God that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I just want to invite you to be a part of that this week because I, just, I believe that God has more for us. He has more stories of life change for us. He has more healings. He has more families to redeem. He, he has more churches for us to plant. He has more cities for us to go into. But it starts with us praying, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I, I want to invite you to be a part of that this week and just ask you to go ahead and make the commitment. Like, you know what? I'm putting in my schedule. I'm not going to let anything get in the way. I'm going to the week of prayer.